This is Blaine Scully. Welcome to the Captain's Code. Each week, we talk with the leaders of high-performance teams about the role they play in making a culture of excellence possible. Todd Dunneman is the general manager of the Sacramento Republic Football Club. In his role at the Republic, he's responsible for the club's playing philosophy and culture, as well as the technical staff, scouting, recruitment, and player contract negotiations. Todd served in a similar role at the San Francisco Deltas, where he helped build a team that took home the 2017 NASL Championship in their inaugural year. Prior to moving into a front office role, Todd was an MLS standout and a first-team All-American at Stanford. Over the course of his career, Todd made over 300 MLS career appearances, recording 200 of those with the LA Galaxy. He won five MLS Cups and also took home two Supporter Shields and the US Open Cup. Todd, uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, no, happy to be here. So if we could start out with you just sharing a little bit about your background and your journey and kind of how you got to where you are now today. Yeah, so I, I mean, I've, I had an uh, older brother, older sister that played sports. I kind of just wanted to follow in their footsteps. So growing up, I played, a, played anything I could. Um, ended up playing competitively in soccer and basketball and in tennis. And then sort of in high school, kind of made the choice to, to stick to soccer. Uh, ended up getting a scholarship to Stanford. Uh, played four years there and then went directly into the MLS. Uh, got drafted. Uh, had a 13-year uh, career in MLS and kind of figuring out next steps, what I was going to do after after playing on the field, fortunate to, to find a good position, kind of in a front office uh, role and, you know, still around a team in a different capacity, um, but absolutely love it every day. Yeah, what was it about soccer that kind of connected and resonated with you? I wasn't going to be eight feet tall. Um, you know, I wasn't uh, 300 pounds and soccer is one of those sports that you can, you can have skill, you have to, obviously have to be an athlete, but um, it doesn't discriminate um, in terms of that stuff. And I, so for me, it, it sort of weeded itself out. I loved all the other sports. I love basketball. You know, honestly, basketball was, I was maybe even a little better at basketball. I was going to play in high school and the coach said, you know, I, I told him I might have a conflict with a couple of games. He wasn't having that. And I sort of had to make a choice at that point, which I was disappointed about, but ultimately, um, you know, at that point it was probably, probably time for me to, to kind of hone in anyways. You know, it's something that I, I think about a lot with our young players now, uh, not focusing in too soon. So like that cross development, you, you see like the the skill and athleticism component from the development, say, of other sports outside soccer, but then also, you know, kind of learning to be around different personalities and different teammates because, as you know, like, personalities and people are different in other sports. So do you think that's kind of equally important? No to question. No question. I mean, it's – you when you're exposed to, to a lot of different avenues and um, kind of different disciplines, it takes a different skill set, but uh, you, you mentally it's better for you um, to be able to do multiple things. Um, you know, your motor skills are different. You get, you get little different bits and pieces from whatever you're doing. And if you're focusing in on, on one, maybe too soon, then you get overuse injuries, you get mental fatigue, you get burnout. There's a lot of things involved with it. Um, it's one thing I've been fortunate. I think my brain's wired a little, little weird and, um, I don't think I could ever burn out uh, on on sports and I think it's one thing that I've always enjoyed is I've never felt like man this is I, I know when to kind of take a day off or, or take that step back but in, on the whole I, I love I love sports I've been being a part of teams and for a long time it, it took me a while to figure that out in terms of what what I loved about it and what I was good at um, and ultimately I'm, I'm good at being on teams and I love that side of it I love being um, 
around teammates or figuring out how to how to how to get the best out of everyone um and that's ultimately what i what i love to do and so uh you know doing it on the field for so long now being able to do it kind of on on the other side of the business um it's it's a perfect fit for me you transition from high school get the scholarship offer from from stanford and as cal guy i guess i gotta say go bears (laughs) um but you know you kind of have a have a great career there you end up as, as team captain there, is that correct? Yes. Yeah, and can you just kind of talk around, you know, that exposure to, you know, high-performance soccer and, and Pac-10 and then, and then, yeah. um, and then you know, kind of your evolution as a, as a young athlete and then rising up to being responsible more for, for the team? Yeah, I mean, it, it is a journey, and it wasn't something that I could snap my fingers when I was 16 or even 18 be ready to, for a professional contract. I wasn't. It's was a little bit of a different era, and that wasn't as normal, but it did happen. And just, again, physically, I wasn't ready to do that, maybe even mentally. Um, I wasn't around. Like today, There's you know we have an academy here at Sacramento um, where we have young players kind of playing in the same environment as our professionals and just rubbing shoulders. Um, you don't even have to be on the same field you you kind of gain something from that and you gain a, a mental edge and I didn't have that you know the professional game and it was something it wasn't on his, on TV as much um, and so it was just more distant and so being around that it just took me it was always about the next step for me and so uh, it went from club soccer uh, to kind of college and just hope hope to find a good school to go to and and be able to do well there I didn't start my freshman year uh, at Stanford and um, actually got had to switch positions after my, I was always an attacking player and the rub on me going into school uh, was that I couldn't defend. I was only an attacking player. And so uh, after my freshman year, the coach brought me in and he said, Hey, you know, we're losing both of our outside backs. And the way his system was, is he, you know, I, I would play midfield, but there was, you know, better players that were ahead of me, older players, veteran players, and kind of seniors that were probably going to get the nod. And he said, you could play probably half the game you know, at midfield or in an attacking spot, or we could put you at outside back and you could play the whole game. And at the time, it was a little bit of a, a gut punch. It was like, man, this is kind of a demotion. But in reality, it was the best thing that could have happened to me because the evolution of the sport and of the game meant that your defenders now needed to be able to attack and play forward. And I had all that. So I needed to learn the defending part, which I did. And I had, you know, the best coach in the country and Bobby Clark to do that. Um, it didn't happen overnight, but it ultimately is what gave me my career. I probably wouldn't have had the pro career I had uh, if I hadn't made that switch and, and at least been open to it. Even though I was kicking and screaming a little bit uh, on the way, it was it was it was the best thing that happened to me. And then I just kind of grew into that and um, knew that that was going to be my ticket. There's not a lot of you know good left backs, and ultimately that's what I uh, kind of try to find that niche. Do you think that was pretty formative? So it's like, it's probably one of those things as a young athlete, like all you do is think about yourself and what you want to do. Then kind of have a conversation with coaches. Well, we understand you want to do that, but actually the best way for you to contribute to the team is by doing this. Yeah. So like kind of understanding, can you talk a little bit about like that transition? And, you know, that's probably, I know, and, and I, cause I've had similar experiences. It's been hugely formative in how I think about the teams and then where I fit inside of the team as far as making us better. I mean, that's what it is, right? It's about the team and what's best for the team. And you always, you, you want to look out and do well for your own career. And ultimately what I learned is when the team does well, I'm going to do well. Um, and so just having that kind of insight of, you know, if, if I'm doing something that's helping the team, 
and we're winning and ultimately that's going to look good for me. Um, and that's, that's kind of how I modeled my career a little bit. And so just being open to that, being versatile enough to, and open-minded to say, okay, you know, it might not be my first choice, but let's give it a go. And if it doesn't work, you know, I can always switch back. But I think that that for me was a, a pivotal moment because it, uh, it opened up, you know, the possibility of, of, you know, now I'm not competing against, you know, when you, again, you, you don't want to sell yourself short, but now you're competing against a different type of player at that position uh, as, as an outside back versus maybe the number 10 position, which is, you know, the best players in the world are going for that, these high-end guys, and uh, maybe I could have done it. Um, but ultimately, it was the better path for me was, was kind of being open to that defensive position. So you touched on it a little bit, and I'd just really be interested to have this conversation with you because now as a being on one side of it and then kind of on the general manager side now, but sort of the academy versus scholastic system because it's, it's it's something that you know most American sports they don't talk about because you go yeah. through the high you go through high school sports and then you go through college sports and the hopes of getting a professional contract, but you know in our sports so, and specifically in overseas is you have to a lot of cases have to make a decision as a very young athlete like 16 to 18 year olds in soccer even younger around whether you want to be a professional athlete and pursue that as hard as you can and enter academy or you kind of want to go down this classic path and go to university yeah. and all that kind of stuff so you know just interesting with the sport that that we have here in soccer in the united states and then kind of juggling those kind of two different systems yeah. you know could you talk through that a little bit as well yeah i mean i'll talk first about what i what it was like you know 20 years ago when i did it mm -hmm. um really there was no academies and so how I looked at it was I always wanted to be a pro athlete. I think I have stuff when I was like three years old, five years old, like I want to be a pro, like who doesn't, right? Mm. Um, that or astronaut. And so, um, you know, that for me was always important. But then I always knew like, hey, maybe it's not going to happen. So I want to try and kind of hedge my bets and always get the education. And what I tell, you know, our kids now and, and anyone coming through is even if you are a pro athlete, you still need to have the education. You still need to have a good head on your shoulders because if you don't, you're going to get taken advantage of in your career. Um, your career is short and it, there's going to be a long life after that. So no matter what, you need to kind of take care of, you know, uh, the education piece and that's something we really push hard we know that most players in our academy here in Sacramento are not going to play for our first team what do we do with the rest we have a huge responsibility to those guys and the majority of them are going to go to division one colleges and, and get scholarships and uh, get the education piece while still getting going through soccer and then they could still end up coming here it doesn't mean if you go to college you're not coming back it's everyone's got a different path some are ready when they're a team to, to play pro. Some are ready when they're 22. So kind of back to you and your journey. So you graduate from Stanford, get drafted by San Jose, and then experience some success pretty quickly, it seemed like, uh, with your first couple of years. Can you talk about sort of that transition for you and, and kind of what those first couple of years in Major League Soccer were like? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a tough transition. Um, you know, it, at the time it was uh it came fast and i you know i kind of think about this as an arc and it's easy to do after the fact but you know growing up we always had a really good team a really good youth club team in colorado we never were able to get over the final hump and win the national championship we were close 
Um, and looking back, I, I, we had talent and we had really good players, but there was something that always kind of got in our way. Uh, we, were, we had a semifinal curse. We could never win the semifinal game. We would blow teams out until then, and then we'd sort of just run into a block. And then got to college, and every year throughout my career, we were able to go a little bit further. We lost in the first round my freshman year. Sophomore year, we lost in the quarters. Uh, junior year, we lost in the Final Four. And then senior year, we lost in the national championship to UCLA. So um, the other half of your, your collegiate career. So we couldn't get past them that year. Um, and it was it was brutal. We lost in the 87th minute, three minutes left, and and uh, and lost. So there was that, you know, kind of sting, and it still to this day hurts. But then able to, you know, kind of get drafted, like you said, to into a really great situation. The San Jose Earthquakes at the time were one of the top teams in the league. Landon Donovan, Brian Mullen. I mean, the the names that were on that team were incredible. So it was just like, hey, how do I integrate into this team and how do I get on the field and how do I add something? And so that transition was tough. And the toughest part um, was really the the length of the season because in college I was used to playing, you know, three, four-month season. Whereas MLS, now you're talking nine and ten months. And just the mental and physical drain every day at training, it's such a higher level. Uh, I was able, to, I was good enough to play at that level, um, but it took its toll on me throughout the year. And I, you know, I, looking back, I probably should have put my hand up and said, look, I need to, I need to step back. I need a break, but no athlete's going to do that. And, you know, by the end of the season, I was completely drained and uh, physically, mentally, the whole deal. Um, you know, we won the, won the MLS Cup. Um, but I learned through that season how to manage my body a little bit, mentally, all those kind of things that, you know, being a professional, you have to do because that's your job and um, you have to be ready every day. And I think just that step up in, 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 the, in the quality of sessions and in the competition, um, somebody's coming for you all the time. And that, that part, you know, took some getting used to and uh, certainly had to build my way into that. So even as a young professional athlete, you go into a good situation, your team experiences some success, and then you individually are kind of learning how to be a pro, right, which is a transition where where those kind of, you know, the Landon Donovans of the world and some of the bigger names on the team, did you look to them as like, okay, this is kind of what they're doing, and then I can start to build my own sort of professional package around like how I look at maintaining performance for a 10-month season because, you know, that's probably the greatest challenge you know anybody can do it once absolutely yeah it's the consistency that's the hardest part right um so yeah i mean i i try to be a sponge and i try to listen and learn and i mean literally all the time whether it's the locker room whether it's on the field whether it's on the plane um the bus whatever it is you're just soaking it all in and i was not somebody that was going to come in and overpower that just wasn't my personality it still isn't um it's more to integrate and to try and enhance and um you know, I was fortunate I wasn't starting in preseason and there was an injury and there was an opportunity. And I, you know, what I always say too is like life and sports, it's about taking your opportunities. You'll have it at some point. You'll have an opportunity. It might be one, it might be three, it might be, you don't know, but um, you got to be ready to take it. And and I was, and I was fortunate. I, I got to, you know, the injury happened. I was kind of thrust into it and ended up playing my first game in front of my home home fans in Colorado, uh, scored a goal in the game, the winning goal. And it was just like, it was a great kind of start. I thought scoring would be easy after that. It wasn't, um, but it was fun and it was, uh, it just got me going. And, you know, I think automatically kind of put me like, I got some credit with the guys, um, like, okay, he's not just a kid. He can, he can actually help us. And so that just helped kind of set things off.
Yeah, it's a tough thing as a young professional athlete because it's you're trying to integrate into the team, you're trying to figure a bunch of stuff out, but then you're also playing for a contract. So there's like all these competing things that you're just trying to wrap your head around the whole thing. It's, it could be overwhelming. Yeah, it is. And, you know, that's where you need to, you know, you, you got to lean on your friends, your family, your teammates. Um, but it is, there's so much, you know, how, how much do I press? How much you don't want to be passive, but you also don't want to overstep. And um, so it's just finding those balances and um, just kind of playing through everything. But it, for me, it was a dream because I also was in the Bay Area, which, you know, I was still finishing out my, uh, my class was finishing out at, at school. So I was able to, you know, still be around my friends and, and still have that kind of connection. So it, was a, it couldn't have been a better, better fit for me. So you have a 13-year career, 300 MLS appearances, five championships, which I think is second all-time, something like that. You know, kind of reflecting on your experience as a professional athlete and and we'll touch on this uh, even an international athlete as well but um you know anything kind of stick out from like how you were as a as a rookie versus when you were as a you know kind of a 13-year veteran with all this wealth of experience that you kind of accumulated yeah i mean i you do you just gain knowledge right like the game slows down a little bit for you you see things before it happens and i had to because physically i changed um second year of my career I tore my quadricep muscle um, and didn't manage the recovery well ended up missing about two-thirds of the season and had a hole in my quad from it and so I wasn't able like one of my strengths was just being able to rifle balls and kind of the shots length length of pass all kinds of things like that and I didn't have that in my game anymore if I did it it would you know the the quad would let me know about it. Um, so I had to change the way I played and I couldn't be as, I couldn't use that athleticism and that sort of, uh, some of those weapons that I relied on my whole life. Uh, I didn't have those anymore. Those were taken from me in my second year of my career. Anything specifically stand out for those kind of five MLS cup runs for those teams? You know, anything kind of you've, I've, now is it someone in the front office who's responsible for building teams anything you kind of have identified as maybe some of these sort of the lessons that i've kind of pulled out of those those runs that i can apply to you know what we're doing now yeah i mean that's every day for me like that's that's the experience i kind of pull on um they're all different you know and i it's hard to pull you know there's there's not necessarily unifying themes throughout they're all they're all different championships. They're all different teams, and it's about overcoming obstacles. There's always obstacles. Any championship that anyone, being an athlete, you know this. Like any anything worth having is it comes really hard, and you got to work at it. And nothing's given to you. And referees are going to make bad calls, and your teammates going to make a mistake. It's about you know overcoming all that and just saying it doesn't matter. And most days, and I think one of the things I, I learned very you know, towards the second half of my career was that most days you don't feel good. Like that's the trick. And I remember early, like I had some sports psychologists that were saying, Hey, like, this is how you get to the zone and you got to get to the zone and everything was about the zone. And you're chasing something that is impossible to get. And you, you know, you're always kind of grasping at something that you want to get to this Nirvana state where you're just playing perfectly. And that's not the real world. And and uh, our teams were terrible <laughs> after those after those talks. And so the best advice I got was, hey, most days you feel terrible. Like you start running and your ankle hurts out of nowhere. And you're like, where did that come from? Um, but that's what being an athlete's about is just grinding out, you know, hard training camps and 
putting yourself through a lot of misery and pushing yourself to limits that you didn't think you could and knowing like, hey, I'm, I'm not at my best. Most of the time I'm not at my best, but how do I still get it done? And yeah. that, that's, that's the key. Because the reality is that nobody cares. You still have a job to do. Like, that's that's yeah. the reality. People, teammates relying on you, fans relying on you, organizations relying on you. Plus, you're getting paid right. <laughs> to do the job. So it, 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 it's like I totally know exactly because, you know, to be able to mentally deal with that adversity when you don't feel good and then still kind of compartmentalize it, accept it, acknowledge it's there because it is, and then still be able to go and perform, which is the ultimate responsibility that you've been given. And, and in a lot of cases, I think the ability to put perspective is, well, I'm still a professional athlete and it's probably the best job I've ever had and am ever going to have. So just put your guts into it and try when you can. Yeah, it's one of Bruce Arena's favorite sayings. You know, a longtime coach that I had, he's he's like, life could be a lot worse, guys. You know, like you could, there's people doing a lot worse uh, things than doing this. And you get caught up in it, and it's hard. And I will say this, like I think being a pro athlete is one of the hardest jobs in the world. Like it just is because of the pressure, because of the eyeballs, the cameras, like everything you do is under a microscope. And to make mistakes in, in front of tens of thousands of people and to be able to kind of have thick skin to forget that and move on and, um, it's brutal. And today with social media and, you know, fans can literally be in your face all the time with that stuff. It's interesting and different for JR sports that are very international, you know, kind of balancing for you because you had two caps for the USA, kind of balancing sort of your club responsibility, but at the same time, you're managing your international aspirations as well. You know, it's a real unique thing, I think, about you're a professional player, but, you know, obviously for most players in the NBA. Well, it's all about the NBA, same with the NFL. But for us, there's the World Cups, which are almost like yeah. pinnacle experiences for, and, and to realize that is like a, is a huge achievement for an athlete. So could you talk a little bit about that dynamic? I was so blessed to be able to get the opportunity to play for the, for the U.S. national team. It's a dream come true. Um, and I leave no regrets on that. I had two games, two opportunities leading up to the 2006 World Cup. Um, and blew it out of the water. It was the best I ever played in my career. Um, had two assists in one of the game, Had was involved in three of the goals against Japan, um, and was like absolutely flying. It was the best, fittest I've ever been, um, best I've ever played. And the next day, I, the day that I got a, a fax, this is 2006, I got a fax uh, saying that I was called in. I was one of, I think, five players from MLS that was called into most of the players were European based like the top players were in Europe and I was one of five that were called into the next uh, friendly as we we're leading up to the World Cup that same day I just in practice uh, that same quad um, let me down and just snapped on a regular kick I pushed myself so far and never felt any issues with it no problems but it was that same injury from um, you know, two years earlier that came back and, you know, I, I was done. And that put me out for several months, wasn't in the World Cup and uh, wasn't able to get back into that picture. So, you know, that was disappointing. But I also know that, um, you know, I had I had two games that I was so proud of, you know, kind of what I did and uh, the level I got to. And I would have loved to get back. It just wasn't in the cards. And when I was later, um, you know, playing back at that level, um, it, the coach didn't see it in me, and that that'll happen. So, um, you know, I don't I don't have any regrets. Thirteen year MLS career, and then you start to transition to the front. Can you talk a little bit about your first roles and how that transitioned from athlete to now where you are today as general manager of the Sac Republic? 
Yeah, it was, uh, boy, again, the, you know, you hear a theme. It was, it was a tough transition. Um, being an athlete, knowing kind of only one thing my whole life, I, and all I knew was sports and playing. And that, def you know, it didn't fully define me, but that's what I did. And that's what I did in school. That's what I did, uh, you know, as a professional for 13 years. And uh, to, it's scary to think beyond that. Um, it's a scary thing. And, you know, I thought about it for the whole time I was playing and you get all the advice and you hear everything. And, uh, you know, ultimately it was just a long journey for me to try and figure out what that next thing was going to be. Cause I didn't know. And I started a real estate company with a couple buddies and we started just acquiring a couple of properties. It just put me in a different environment. I was talking to banks. I was doing some things that were just outside of, it gave me confidence, um, because it was doing something outside of the field that, uh, that you're not used to doing. What you don't realize being an athlete for so long is that your skill set is way bigger than you think. Being on a team, like what we do in this office, we're a team in here. And even though we're not on a field, like this is a team and it's about picking your teammates up. It's talking to people and, and learning how to, how to cope with, you know, uh, the people who work next to you. And if you can make them better, just like on the field, that's, you're going to, you're going to have success. So, um, that transition for me, ultimately it came back to, you know, again, setting myself up. I was part of the, the players union for, for a lot of my career. Um, again, you're just kind of out of your comfort zone. It's part of your job because you're learning, you know, your um, every, condition that you have and your contracts and everything you do is, is done through the collective bargaining agreement. Um, but to be able to lead that and to be able to be in a room with 40 players, um, 20 of them are captains. Everyone's an alpha male. Everyone's got an ego. Everyone's got a different agenda. Um, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done because it, it wasn't, the hard part was not negotiating with ownership or the league office or the commissioner. Uh, the hard part was managing our own group and managing personalities and what is our athlete position on yeah. and getting consensus because everyone's got a different take and everyone has a different kind of reasoning and to get everyone to go in that same direction and that was uh, that was that was that was challenging um, but so rewarding because we got there and we got it done and um, but again it's just another thing outside of the game that helped me kind of know that I could do something else. Uh, ultimately, it was a connection from Stanford that said, hey, we're, we're actually, I don't know if you've heard, but I'm part investor in a new soccer team in, in San Francisco. Would you mind talking to our CEO? And it was as simple as that. Starting up a, a pro franchise from scratch and, um, you know, again, talk about a challenge. Like we didn't have, we didn't have a template. Nobody told that there wasn't a way of working. We had to create all that. So when we did player contracts, we had to create the contract and we had to um you know kind of figure everything out for ourselves so again like it was for a first job uh couldn't have been better for me uh I'll probably learn more in those two years than i will the rest of my career combined but um yeah it was it was great and and then to be able to kind of jump into sacramento with the republic now and uh where we're going as a club where we've been the love for the sport here in the city um it's it's awesome and anyone who's who lives here can feel it and uh it's only going to get bigger and better you kind of played professional soccer for a long time so you knew what your role responsibility was within the game plan but then when you're responsible now for more of the architecture of the organization specifically yeah. you know the technical and then you have the business side as well but then 
also, you know, the cultural as well and like managing managers, managing the athletes and, and then still driving a real positive culture, which kind of seems to be what you're all about anyway. So it's like, how, how do you, how do you think about that? Was there, okay, this is what I need to think about with regards to talent ID and scouting. This is how I need to think about the way we want to play and the style we want. And this is kind of the coaches we want to lead. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's another thing. There's no, there's no blueprint for the job. Like this is not a job that um, being a general manager, it's not like, Hey, here's how you do it. And you got to do this from six to nine and from nine to like you figure it out on your own. And um, I think one thing that's, that I really lean on heavily is just people in the business that, that have done it before. So when I first started, I was, I was calling everybody I knew, Hey, how do you, how do you guys handle moving expenses? How do you handle win bonuses? How do you, you know, and it's just trying to get uh, best practices from everybody trying to learn as you go and you're going to make a ton of mistakes and I have, and I'll continue to make them. Um, but hopefully not the same ones over and over. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's for me again like a dream position because I get to, I get to help create the team, and it's not just my vision. It's done in you know with the with the coaching staff. It's done with our president. It's done with you know everybody in this office. Um, that's for me the fun part is putting that together, and it's not just the players. Like I love putting the staff together. Like that part is so fun because uh, again, you know I've I've had. I've had a lot of equipment managers. I've had a lot of team admins. I've had a lot of trainers. And so you start to realize why some are good and some aren't. And so that part, I know how important that is. And I know how important uh, having, you talk about culture. Well, culture is really people. And if you get the right people around you, um, that's a good starting point. And then if you, you put the right environment around them, um, you know, you're, you're set up for success a lot better. What does success look like for you, for you now? And maybe maybe an interesting question would be, how is, do you measure success now as a general manager versus when you were when you were just a soccer player? You know, success comes in different ways. I think where we are as a club, certainly, we're pushing. Like we we kind of have two main philosophies on the soccer side now. One, we we have ten thousand fans that come out to watch us every single week. So we can't just say, hey, we're developing for an MLS team. We're going to put a bunch of young kids out there and like deal with it no we like we need to win and we need to win now and so that's that's a priority for us but at the same time we're not going to ignore the development part it was one of the first questions i asked when i when i came in at the end of 2017 um i said well how many players on the 2017 roster how many players on that team would have a chance to make mls our mls team in, in say two years and the answers i got from people in the organization were not high and I said, all right, well, that's our starting point. Like, we need to get that number up, and we need to try and get as many players on our team that have a chance to make that jump. We know we're not under any illusions to think that we're going to bring everybody. Um, but let's assume we have the MLS team. Like, that'll happen. And now let's try and build our team and use this time to not only win, but let's develop players for that MLS team. And so that's what we've done. Um, and last year was a good start. Uh, and we think that that number now is is pretty high and we feel good about that so that for me is is kind of success is developing and winning we don't know how many players we're going to be able to bring uh to mls but we know that we can bring a culture and that's one of our advantages if we're starting from scratch and building a you know an expansion team from scratch you don't have that culture you have to build it well we can bring some of a lot of what we're doing now and i talk to the fans all the time and they say hey like when you go mls don't forget about this 
tradition that we do or the players coming over like we're bringing all that stuff with us i mean that's that's the heart and soul of of what we do yeah well, that was kind of what i was going to ask next is so you have your kind of you create your shared vision then how do you kind of communicate that manage that because it's it's a little bit different as an athlete where it's a bit more binary between you and the coach and all that stuff but now you're having to manage stakeholders say managing up ownership and managing outward with the community and then also managing down to you know people yeah. who you're responsible for so could you talk a little bit about the challenges around there and then trying to be as positive and consistent as you can with all that stuff yeah i mean i think you hit it a little bit like the this job, being a general, it's about relationships, um, internally, externally, ownership, the league, players, other teams, players. Um, it's all about relationships, and you know, I, I, I think it's a really important point because uh, if if you're ignoring some of those pieces, it'll it'll come back to bite you. And I think that's that's one of the biggest challenges is your time's limited, so you can't be everyone everything to everyone uh so it's figuring out how how you can manage those and um be genuine hit as many people as possible um and just maintain those relationships it's it's with the local colleges it's with the local clubs it's with everybody um you know there's there's certainly not enough time in the day but there's you know that's something that i want to continue to get better at is how how can how can you manage that and and then it's where where's the biggest need you know some every day is different for me you know one day it's um you know something happened within the team that needs to be dealt with uh internally and another day it's um you know we're scouting a player uh abroad another day it's um you know something staff related then there's community events i mean it's there's there's no blueprint there's no it's going to be a regular week there's no such thing as a regular day for me and I, it's one of the things i love because i also get to kind of toe the line between, you know, the front office and the business side and then also, you know, on the soccer side and the technical side, uh, being able to do both of those. Um, it suits me really well because I enjoy both sides, um, but I also get kind of the best of both worlds in, in that sense. Some could say the worst of both worlds, but I, I look at it as the best of both worlds because you, you get to make a big impact. What qualities make a good teammate? One thing you notice about our club is there's a lot of humility. Um, there's no doubt that there's ego in sports and you need some level of ego, uh, to be an athlete, knowing when to bite somebody's head off. And sometimes you got to know when to put your arm around them. And it's, uh, so a good teammate knows when to push those buttons, similar to a coach or a manager. I need to know what you're, what gets you going. And if I'm, if, if you're a guy that needs to be pushed and needs to be kind of razzled a little bit and I got to get under your skin to get you going, like I need to know that. Uh, same, same thing. If I need to kind of pull back the reins a little bit and, you know, you make a mistake and you know it and, and your head keeps going down, if, if you keep getting kind of piled on, like I need to know that too. What would be your definition of, of leadership? Leadership is about bringing everyone together in a way that everyone's voices are heard. You know, just empowering those around you. Like that for me is, is part of leadership is empowering uh, empowering coaches, empowering players, empowering everybody to feel like they can do their job at their best and, and trying to get the best out of them. Ultimately, that's that's going to be good for everyone. can't tell you how much I appreciate your time and and uh, you know really admire what you guys are doing here and what you're building and how you continue to plug away and um, continue to raise a standard for Sacramento and find the flag high. So keep doing what you're doing. really appreciate it. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate yeah, thank you. Thank you. 
This week's takeaways look at dealing with obstacles and how to build for the future. For Todd, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable made all the difference in his professional career. By taking a risk of trying a new position and really stretching himself, he found the way he could best contribute to the team and ultimately find his own personal success. When you're new to an organization, joining a new team, it's all about learning how to integrate yourself into the swing of the team. So become a sponge, listen, ask questions, learn the rhythm of the organization. Then you'll be able to find your best fit. Obstacles will always be a part of life, but how you handle those obstacles help define who you are. Anything worth having usually requires a whole lot of hard work. So figure out how you can best deal with adversity so you can get the job done. Culture is all about people. When you get the right people, build the right environment around them and empower them so they feel they can do their best work every day, setting up your organization for long-term success. And finally, in sport and in life, always be ready to take the opportunity when it presents itself. Being prepared every day will get you ready for that moment. And when it happens, you need to have the courage to walk through that door.